0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Praise the Lord. Well, listen. Last week, our 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 school of ministry students ministered. They did an incredible job. Rodney and Elijah. Praise the Lord shared from the Word of God about each person taking their place in the body of Christ and how important it is that we do that. They shared from Ephesians chapter 4 and how when each part is doing its own work, each part has a part to play. We are the body of Christ. Each one of us has a job to do and when we work together that's when the body of Christ is built up to the standard, to the full measure of Jesus Christ. They encouraged each person to make sure you're actively engaged and serving in the body of Christ. They did a great job. Before that we've finished our series called Almost Heaven, the Kingdom of God, being established. Almost Heaven not just being a a song that refers to West Virginia, but being a reality. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the standard that we're pushing for. This morning we're we're jumping back into a series that we kind of put on pause last summer. Last summer we went through the first half of the book of Acts. We're going to jump back in this morning So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 14. We left off in chapter 13. I'll try to review a little bit, but because we covered so much that there's no way to to review everything that we talked about, I'll I'll try to mention just a few key parts. Let me read Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach that Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts and he's, refer- he's referring to his previous writing. He's, he wrote both to a, a, someone named Theophilus, giving him an account. And he said, in, in my former account, he's talking about the, the most beautifully named book of the Bible, the, the gospel of Luke. And he's talking about how he told about everything that Jesus did when he came. All of the miracles, all of the teaching, teaching people about the the goodness of God, the kingdom of God, seeing people set free, seeing people's bodies healed, and he says that former account was just what Jesus began to do and teach. And if you remember when we talked about this at the beginning of the series the last time, that was just the beginning. When we read the gospel accounts, everything that Jesus did, and then he ascended back to be with the Father, that wasn't the end. That was just what he wanted to put into motion and to see it continue. And the way that it continues is through people like you and people like me, the body of Christ, the church, that what he started, he wants to see continue, but it's up to us to carry out the work of Jesus. Acts chapter one, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And really it's the birth of the church. The church is born And then we read about how the the gospel spreads. And really, revival is getting back to the original pattern of what Jesus established in his church. A couple of key things that we talked about. One is that being Pentecostal, believing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the early church... That wasn't some side doctrine, it wasn't some side issue, it wasn't something that you've really gotta dig into the church's beliefs to find out technically they are a Pentecostal church, you just never hear it referred to, and it's never you know, never mentioned, you never see any evidence of it. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, with evidence of speaking in tongues, that was front and center in the early church. They, they weren't ashamed of it, they weren't embarrassed of it, that was a main component of what they were doing. When they went into a community, two questions, one, do you know Jesus as Savior? Oh, you do? good. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? It was, a, it was a central issue, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Another thing we learned about the early church is that they took the Great Commission seriously. It wasn't just something nice Jesus said before he floated away. A little poem he gave them, and then he, he disappeared into the clouds. They, they took it seriously, that while they were on earth, their purpose, their mission was to tell other people the good news about what was accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everywhere that they went, as they're scattered because of persecution, we read through the book of Acts, everywhere they went, the gospel went and the kingdom of God advanced. That's what we want to see continue to happen. That's the model of the early church. When you've got When we talk about revival, getting back to this pattern, baptism of the Holy Spirit and people that take seriously winning the lost, people that want to see, people born into the kingdom of God, that gives God something to work with where revival can take place. God can't honor selfishness. Amen. So we're going to jump back in. Acts chapter 14, if you have your Bible, give you a little bit of context. We left off in Acts chapter 13. At the beginning of Acts 13 is when... Paul, formerly Saul, re- receives the call. Ooh. How about that? Didn't even mean to do that. It's when he receives the the call to go and to be an apostle. You remember the story, they're together, Paul and Barnabas are together with other men. They're they're praying, they're ministering to the Lord, they're fasting, and and God speaks to him and says, hey, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that that I've called them to. And that's when he becomes an apostle. They pray for him, lay hands on him, they send him out, and he takes his first missionary journey where he goes out, goes from town to town, region to region, preaching the gospel. And so in Acts chapter 14, we're we're picking up, he's still on his first missionary journey. Journey, still traveling around. Acts chapter 14, verse 1. Now, we said before, as we're going through the book of Acts, this is not an exhaustive study. So, we're going to let God speak something to us from each chapter. Sometimes we might not even read the whole chapter. I would encourage you to be studying the book of Acts along with us. We're going to leave a lot of meat on the bones, so to speak, for you to dig into. We're just going to let God speak what he wants to from each chapter, and then then we'll move on without covering everything. Acts chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it. And fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. So they're, they're traveling around, they're preaching the gospel, they get to the city, they go to the synagogue, and it says that they so spoke, they so spoke that a great multitude of Jews and Gentiles believed. This is one of those verses that's easy just to kind of skip over. A whole bunch of people believed, okay, on to the next thing. This is enormous. This is significant that multitudes of people believe. Believe what? They believe the good news that they're born into the kingdom of God. Multitudes of people are being pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. That that morning they woke up and if their life would have ended then, they would have spent eternity separated from God and in hell. But because something happened that day, their their eternal destiny was changed. Their life was completely changed. They become sons and daughters of God. Their sins are forgiven. They're made new on the inside. Old things are passed away. All things become new. They're on their way to heaven. Now they know Jesus. Everything changed. What what happened? What happened that day to change it? These people came and they and they spoke. But by what they said, these people's lives are forever changed. These are real people. These are real people. Those of us who know Jesus, when we get to heaven, we'll get to meet these people that are being written about in Acts chapter 14, verse 1, that their lives were changed because of what happened that day. Paul and Barnabas came and they so spoke that they said words. They communicated. What did they say? They, they told about the good news. They told people about Jesus. They went into a community and they told people about Jesus, and as a result, multitudes of people were brought in to the kingdom of heaven. We can't underestimate the power of telling people about Jesus. The power of the gospel, our ability to communicate a simple truth and see a ripple effect, all that it it accomplishes. The power of our words, the power of telling people about Jesus. Your words are powerful, especially when your words are the gospel of Jesus Christ. But look at this next verse, verse 2. Verse 2 says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. They, they, their minds were poisoned. And those verses we read, there's a group of people that they don't believe the good news. They, they don't believe it. And in fact, they end up, they, they reject the message that could have saved them and they become violent towards the people that are communicating the message. It says they became violent. They even wanted to stone these people. Now think about how, how, how twisted that is, that they want to try to kill. They're trying to murder the very people that were sent there to help them and be a blessing to them. How did these people get so twisted around, so backwards on this, that they're trying to attack and drive away people that God sent there to bless them and save them? Well, it tells us how it happened. Their minds were, were poisoned. Poison entered their minds. How? But by words, people people said certain things. They heard and they received those words, and their minds were poisoned. Has anyone ever been poisoned? You ever been poisoned before? I don't mean like a, an assassination attempt where someone's poisoning you, like uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, or or maybe you've been, had food poisoning at one time or another. Sometimes, usually, when you are poisoned at the at the time you're being poisoned, you don't realize you're being poisoned. Otherwise, you just avoid the poison, right? When you're carbon monoxide, you can't smell it. You can't detect it unless you actually have a detector. It's just until later you get a headache, you get nauseous. Hopefully you kept on to the symptoms before it's too late because it can be deadly. But while it's happening, you can be completely unaware that I am, I'm currently being poisoned. Food poisoning. Those of you that have been, had food poisoning before, when you were being food poisoned, You didn't know at the time, hey, what I'm eating is, is gonna cause major trouble for me. No, you just thought, hey, gas station sh- sushi. I- I'm gonna enjoy it. You thought you were being blessed at the time. Like, man, how convenient. I love seafood. This gas station serves seafood. I mean, it's like, it's a win-win. Or you're digging through the fridge and you're wondering, what are we gonna have for dinner? I don't know, I don't feel like cooking. And way in the back, there's an old thing of Chinese takeout that you forgot about. You, you thought it was your lucky day. All right, I don't have to prepare food. I forgot three weeks ago, I ordered Chinese food. It passed the sniff test. So you thought you were in the clear and you were enjoying it. Or what you, that meat that you cooked out on the grill a month ago. It seemed to be okay. You thought, all right, I don't have to prepare dinner. I'm all set. I can just throw this in the microwave and enjoy, right? You were just enjoying it. It wasn't until later that you realized, man, I don't think that, I think I had some bad Chinese. I don't think it was a good idea to eat raw fish served, you know, from a, from a gas station. I don't, I don't think I should eat meat that's been uncared for, for for weeks on end, right? You, you, then, you, then you put it together in the, in the moment you didn't understand that you were being poisoned. It's a smart person, though, that begins to put two and two together and realize, you know what, there's some situations I should avoid. I'm not, I'm not eating food from that place anymore. I'm not eating at that restaurant. I'm not eating food at, at you know what, I'm not going to try to get all of my money's worth out of that Chinese food. I'm just going to get to a point where I'm willing to cut my losses, right? You, you start to make some of those determinations so that you don't end up with the same consequences before again. And the same thing is true with words that are spoken into our lives, that words, what people say, has the ability to poison your mind. Now, a smart person will will put those consequences together, right, and say, because of something negative that happened to me before, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Years ago, before we started having kids, we would get a gallon of milk, and my, my wife doesn't Drink milk, and so it would just be up to me, and I wouldn't drink the milk quick enough to drink the entire thing before it spoiled. So there was like a season of time where, I, on a regular basis, I was drinking spoiled milk. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. I, I know it's not technically poison, but in the moment, it might as well be poison, right? If you've ever had a mouthful of, of spoiled milk, so sit down with a nice bowl of cereal. I don't know if anyone else is like a cereal eater. Nice bowl of cereal, you're all situated. You first bite and, oh, spoiled milk. Or you eat an Oreo and you're gonna wash it down with a nice glass of cold milk, but instead it's lumpy, spoiled milk. I mean, that, that, that can scar a person, right? That, that can wound you in a lot of ways. So I, I, I learned my lesson after you know eight or nine times. I'm a slow learner, but now, I pay extra close attention to the expiration date on milk. And I'm to the point of paranoia. I've been hurt before. I don't want to be hurt again. Like if it's three or four days before it's expired, too close. You know what? I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass on the milk. So you might disagree when it comes to milk expiration dates. and I I know some people have strong feelings about that. But what we can agree on is, is when you realize that behavior hurt me, A smart person says, I'm not gonna behave like that again. Now, a really smart person doesn't have to suffer themselves, they can learn from other people's experiences, and that's what we have the ability to do because of the word of God, reading about this situation that there were people that their minds were poisoned because of of what others were telling them. And so a smart person says, I don't I don't want to fall into that situation, so I'm going to choose to be careful what I listen to. I'm gonna be careful. Who I listen to. We need to be careful what we listen to. The Bible tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Let me read it to you from Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. It says, "Death and life." are in the power of the tongue. Now, a lot of times when we quote that scripture or we talk about that scripture, we talk about the importance of realizing that we need to be intentional with what we say because when you speak, you have the power of life and you have the power of death in the words that come out of your mouth. And that's absolutely true. We need to be aware of that. We'll talk about that a little bit this morning. But another part of that understanding is I need to be aware that other people have that ability as well. And when I listen to them, they're either speaking speaking life or they're speaking death, that that power is being exerted on me when I receive their words. And if I'm not careful, I can allow my mind to be poisoned, and I don't realize it at the time. You don't realize at the time you're being poisoned. You just start to feel the, the consequences or the effects somewhere down the road. So a smart person will begin to be very intentional and discerning about what they listen to and who they listen to. We need to be careful what we listen to. The TV shows, the movies, the music we listen to, the podcasts, the news programs. You you cannot realize it, but your mind is being poisoned. Because it doesn't present poison doesn't present itself as poison. When you turn on that podcast, the man doesn't say, okay, now we're gonna jump right in. I'm gonna poison your mind. You know, he just starts talking, it's it's interesting, it's it's intriguing, it's funny. There's something that's enticing about it, and your mind is being poisoned. We also need to be careful who we listen to. In this passage, it says that they poison their minds against the brethren. You need to be careful who you listen to. If you're listening to someone that speaks negative of the brethren... Let let that be a red flag. It's possible your your mind is being poisoned. When someone's being critical, all they have is negative things to say about someone. They're just critiquing. They're pointing out flaws. They're always trying to expose some shortcoming in someone else in, in 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 the church or in the family of God, people that are always bashing other Christians. Let that be a red flag. So they poison their minds against the brethren. You know, there was a saying I used to use all the time when I worked with youth, and I'm learning that it applies just as much with adults, and we need to be aware of it as as well. That if you want to know what someone is really, really like, don't listen to what others say about them. Listen to what they say about others. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if someone... Someone's always telling you negative things about someone. You don't, don't necessarily believe that. Listen to what that person says about other people, and you'll get insight into what they are really, really like. Out of the abundance of the heart, what their heart, it comes out of their mouth. So if they're always critical, they're always fault-finding, they're always pointing out a flaw, be careful that your mind could be being poisoned by, by that person. You know, if you have been food poisoned before, using that, using that analogy again, you've ever been getting ready for bed at night and you get that gurgle in your stomach and you just know, you get that like numb sweat. Oh, Yo, no. You, you, you start thinking back like, what did I eat today? I knew that Mexican restaurant seemed a little off to me. You know, you, you start kind of replaying in your mind. That, that's the way it should work. When you realize, man, something is wrong, start going back and start trying to figure out where, where did I get off track? What did I eat? What did I consume that could have, could have caused these problems? Well, spiritually, we should do the same things. If you find that you are struggling to be spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, Relationally healthy. It's not the only cause, but it's possible that you're, being, that you're being poisoned. It's possible that someone is speaking into your life that is, is poisoning your mind, and it's keeping you from flourishing and, and being, being healthy. So there should be a standard for what we listen to. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the way we speak to each other. It says in Ephesians 4, to speak the truth in love right? So if that's a standard for what comes out of my mouth, then that should also be a standard that applies to what I allow to come into my ears. If that's the way that speech should be, where we speak the truth and we speak it in love, then I should apply that standard to your mouth as well. You should apply that to the standards of the people that you listen to. So two parts. One, to speak the truth. I want to speak the truth. Is this true? Is it in line with the word of God? Does this line up with, with, with God's word? Is it true? But even truth by itself isn't enough of a standard. When Jesus was being tempted, the devil used scripture. So he doesn't just give us one point of a standard to speak the truth, but in love. So the message matters. We need to examine the message of what's being spoken, but we also need to consider the motive of what's being spoken. The message And the motive. Is it truth? And is it spoken in love? Why is this person saying this thing? Why is this person telling me about that person? What what are they trying to to get at? What is the motive? What good can come from from what they're sharing? Speaking the truth and speaking it in love. And it's got to be both. Because you can speak the truth. But it doesn't meet it doesn't meet the motive. And people can have good motives, but what they're saying just isn't isn't true. So what, what we want to submit ourselves to, subject ourselves to when it comes to the things we listen to, the people we listen to, that they're speaking the truth and they're speaking it in love, that the message is accurate and the motive, the motive is pure. Amen? Verse 5, and when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. So they could, they're, they're driven from that area. They continue to go around preaching the gospel. Again, verse 7 says, and they were preaching the gospel. And then it gives us an account of something that happened in Lystra. Paul is preaching, and it says that in one man he saw, he saw faith. You know, it matters how you listen. It matters how you engage. And, and even in moments like this, it matters the way that you listen. It says that Paul could see. He could see faith. He could see the way that, he was, that this man was engaged with what he was saying. It wasn't just some spiritual perception. Sometimes we, we leave it in some ethereal round. It says that he could see him. He could see faith. Like, like in Mark chapter 2, there's an instance where it says that Jesus saw men's faith. It's the story of when they cut a hole in the roof where Jesus was teaching, and four men let their friend down on a mat that was paralyzed. They let him down in front of Jesus, and it said, Jesus seeing their faith. It, it wasn't just some mystical, spiritual perception. He could see by their behavior, by the way that they were acting, what they were physically doing. He could see these men have faith, and Paul is preaching, and it said he said, seeing this man's faith. The way you engage when someone, when someone is ministering is important. You know, sometimes it's funny to me, it's almost as if people think that you can't see them when you're speaking. I can, I can see you. I can see you. you. You can say, okay, that person's talking. Those people are whispering. That person's on their phone. That person's asleep. That person is clearly not paying attention. It, it matters the way that you engage. And I, I'm bringing this up because it's important. We want to see powerful things take place. And we need to understand there is a partnership that takes place in moments like this. And I'm not trying to, to neglect any of the responsibility that I have or whoever happens to be to be ministering. There's an enormous amount of responsibility, but there is a partnership. This man receives something not not necessarily based on what paul was speaking but but what he, the way that he was listening opened up another dimension of receiving. Paul is preaching, and he sees this, this man has faith to receive something more. It wasn't just dependent on what was being spoken. It was dependent on the way that this man was listening. You can tell, man, this person's with me. This person's, this person's engaged. This person has faith that they're hearing it. They're receiving it. And it changes the environment, and it raises the bar of what can happen in a service. It says that he heard Paul speaking. Paul saw him and realized that this guy has faith. Now, what was Paul speaking? What was Paul saying? Well, in verse 7, it says this. It says, and they were preaching, they were preaching the gospel there. So we don't have an exact account of what Paul was saying in the moment that this happened, when this man receives faith to have his, his legs healed. But it says that he was preaching the gospel. He was sharing, he was sharing the good news. That, that's, that's what he was saying. We'd be adding to it if we, if we said he was giving an intense message on the, the power of healing or something like that. He's preaching a simple gospel message. And we don't have what he said here, but if we go back to the previous chapter, we can see the way that he presented the gospel in the, in the other towns. So if you turn back to chapter 13, read a couple of verses from it. Now, in, in Iconium, he went to the synagogue and spoke to Jewish people presented the gospel there. And so he deals with some Jewish background before he gets to the essence of the gospel. But in chapter 13, verse 38, he says this, brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. So after he got through some of the the, Jewish background. That, that's what he got to. Now in Lystra, there was no synagogue. He's not speaking to Jewish people. He's dealing primarily with Gentiles. So it's probably fair to assume that he didn't go into all the, the Jewish background. He just kind of cut straight to the, the essence of the gospel message. And as, as he's proclaiming this simple gospel message, this man has faith to receive even, even beyond the details of what Paul is sharing, just trusting the goodness of God. Paul, Paul's sharing The gospel. In this man, Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins. When, are we, when you believe in Jesus, you can be made right with God. It's not dependent on your own works. It's not dependent on you jumping through all the hoops. It's just based on the fact that the Father in heaven loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for your sins, and God raised him from the dead. And if you believe in Jesus, you can be saved, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our, our Lord, that you can you can be born again and be made a new creature if you put your faith in Jesus. And this man was listening to just a simple gospel message and he started putting the pieces together that if there's a real God, he didn't have a whole lot of religious baggage to to, to mess things up. He's just listening to the pure presentation of how good God is. And he started to connect it. If there's a God in heaven that loves me that much, he was willing to send his only son to leave heaven and to come and to die in my place. It's like he had this Romans 8.32 moment where he realized, if God is that good, if God is willing to destroy the works of the enemy and, and save me from eternity without him, then, then healing my legs, he, healing my legs is no challenge. If God is willing to go to that extent, if the all-powerful God loves me that much, then this is a small, things, a small thing for one. Listen to Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him? also freely give us all things. That that man, is, he's, he, Paul was preaching the gospel and this man has faith. My, my legs can work. My legs can, can begin to do what they were made to do. Now, I don't know if you caught it when we read it the first time. I wanna read verse eight again because if you need healing, then you can receive healing. Within, within the gospel is everything that we need within the message that God sent his son Jesus to die for us, within that, man, you, you can draw, what will you place a draw on? What do you need? Just, just from the essence of the gospel. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God that from that simple message, man, whatever, within it is everything that you need. Listen to verse eight again. It says, and in Lystra, a, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never, who had never walked, that there's some repetition. He's emphasizing this man's, this man's condition. In the Bible, when you see more detail given where something is really emphasized, it's a literary device to emphasize something. How hopeless this man's situation is, how dire this situation is. He, he's emphasizing, he, he's trying to draw our attention to it and repeating himself. There was a man without strength in his feet. Okay, we get it. His his feet don't work. He has no strength. He doesn't leave it there. He was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. Okay, we, we, we get it. He's, he's crippled. He can't walk. His feet have no strength. He's been that way from his mother's womb. Who has never walked? Okay, he just continues to emphasize that, to, to help us to connect. This was a dire, completely hopeless situation. And it doesn't matter how dire and how hopeless, that there was something in the gospel that stirred this man's heart. That there, there's no There's no situation too far gone that the power that's contained in the gospel can't change this in an instant. So if you need healing, you can receive healing. If there's something else in your life, you can receive whatever it is that you need. In the gospel message, you can put a draw on whatever it is. Because he who didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for you, how in the world will he not also freely give you whatever else it is that you need? You need your marriage turned around? You need guidance and direction in the workplace for your career? You need financial help. You need a, a, a relationship mended. Whatever it is, God isn't willing to send His Son to die in your place and then say it's too far for you to ask for for your, uh, healing in your body or your son to begin serving the Lord or whatever it is. He who He, he didn't spare His own Son. It's ridiculous to think that He's going to hold back now. It's a physical healing. But in this man's situation is really a picture of the condition of humanity because of sin. That from the moment people are born, they're crippled because of our sinful nature. They're crippled. And it takes an encounter with Jesus. It takes an encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ to allow people to rise and walk and to live the life, to be the man, to be the woman, to experience the freedom that God has prepared for them, what he wanted all along. It takes an encounter with the gospel to allow people to rise and to walk and to really enjoy, enjoy life. So for those of us that know Jesus, this should be a reminder of our purpose. It should be a reminder of the potential that God has put in us. He's entrusted us with this message. He's given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses because there are people all around us that are crippled in one way or another. They're crippled up by sin. It's affecting their marriage. It's affecting their kids. It's affecting the course of their life. It's affecting their bodies. It's affecting all kinds of things. And the gospel, the gospel has the ability to minister at every, at every level. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the power of the gospel. What if Paul had seen this man crippled? He's like, oh, what am I going to, this guy's legs don't work. He's never been able to take a step. Well, I'm going to tell him about forgiveness of sins. Yes. When we encounter different situations, I mean, this mean, this guy's marriage is falling apart. He told me his wife just left, left him for another man. I'm going to start telling him about uh, how Jesus died on the cross for forgiveness of sins. Yes. Yes. Because you don't know what the gospel can stir up in that person's heart to experience salvation, but all of a sudden faith come alive for that other situation as well. Man, this person just lost their job. They're going bankrupt. Their business just fell apart. Man, the wheels are coming off on their life. I'm gonna start telling them about how Jesus died in their place. Yes! Yes, because, listen, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. It's the power of God able to save to the uttermost. There isn't a limit on the power of the gospel, but here's the thing, God has put the gospel in you and in me. And it remains bottled up until we open up and release that power into people's lives, into people's situations. It's simple. It's simple. We put the burden on ourselves. Man, I don't know if I can answer all this person's questions. What if I start telling them about Jesus and they ask me some kind of weird end times question? What if I tell them about Jesus and they want to know this this political question? Just just present the gospel. Just present the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about presenting the gospel. He said, Open the door and let the lion out. He will take care of himself. Open the door. Let the, let the lion out. Talking about the gospel, talking about the power of God. It can take care of itself. You don't, you don't know what that lion, what that truth has the ability to do in someone's life. We go ahead and make the decision for them. We say they're probably going to get offended. They're not going to totally understand. Listen, it's not your power. It's the power of God, but it's contained in the message of the gospel. You just need to open it up and release and see what happens when you've got a group of people like this that begin to release the power of God in the community, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in the grocery store, in the restaurant, just trusting the lion to do what the only the lion can do. Open up. your mouth and let the lion out the lion can take care of himself you don't have to have it all figured out you don't have to have step four five and six all mapped out your step is step one open your mouth and present the gospel jesus will take it from there the gospel can defend itself it's the power of god it's not just some little some little doctrinal issue the bible says the gospel it is the power of god to save to the uttermost but it's been it's been bottled up in believers like you and me our job is to open up and to release it simple in this man, Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins. That's what it says Paul said. He spoke so that a great multitude of people believed. He spoke so crippled people said, you know what? Not only do I believe that, I believe he can fix my entire situation. Lives were changed. Glory was given to God because they're bearing, they're bearing fruit. How did it happen? We would be adding to the Bible to say anything happened other than he spoke. He spoke because the power of life The power of life is in the tongue. You've got like a a trifecta, the triple threat. We've got the power of life and death because you have the ability to speak. The power of your words, the power of life, the power of the gospel, it's the power of God. You've received the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. How in the world can we fail? We've got to trust the reality. The The Bible says it's the power, it's the power of God. Has anyone ever told you God loves you? He's got a wonderful plan for your life. If you call on the name of the Lord, you, you can be saved. It's simple. We don't, have to, we don't have to complicate it. Open the door. Let the lion out. The lion can take care of himself. Your job is just to open up and share, share the gospel. Begin to infuse this community with the power of God. Let's just see, see what it can do. See what the power of God can do. Released in your workplace. Released in your neighborhood. Released at the restaurant, released in your family, the power of God. You know, this, this miracle in Acts chapter 14, it runs, it runs parallel with the miracle in Acts chapter 3, where Peter heals a man crippled from his, his mother's womb at the gate, beautiful. Even some of the language, the way that it's presented, there, there's a parallel there. So Acts chapter 1. The promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, they receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, begin to see the impact of people that are willing to open their mouth and speak. Peter encounters this man that's crippled. You remember what he said? Silver and gold, I don't, don't. he wasn't worried about what he didn't have. Don't get hung up on what you don't have. He was focused on what he did have. Silver and gold, have I not, lots of explanations, thorough understanding of the book of Leviticus, understanding all the symbolism in the book of Revelation. I, I, I don't have that, but here's what I do have. I know that in this man, Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins, and if you believe in him, you can be made right with God, not dependent on your own ability, just trusting the goodness of God. What, what I don't have, I'm not going to focus on that. But what I do have, I give to you. Focus on what you do have. Do you have a simple understanding of the gospel? If you have that much, what, what I have, I give. What you have, you're responsible to open up and give it to other people. But the enemy wants to try to get you focused on what you don't have. What, what I have... What I have, I give. What I have, I give. I know Jesus saved me. I, I, I prayed this prayer. I believe he died for my sins. You can do the same. You, you don't know what the power of God can do in that person's life. Able to save to the uttermost. Able to save to the uttermost. You know, we're to be like Jesus. Jesus is our example. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. What would Jesus do? I said it's better to think, what did Jesus do? He, he's He's our example we follow Jesus' example. Acts 38 is a good summary, and you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, so to be anointed with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to follow his example, we're going to follow Jesus' example, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power, but it doesn't end right there. He didn't just get anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. It says, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So if Jesus is our example. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not so we can fit in the category of Pentecostal church, so we can go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil because God is with us to have a confidence in what you carry and what you have being willing to give. I I wanna pray this morning. Maybe there's something that you need to place a draw on from the, the simple, goodness of God, because of the gospel message. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need set free from something. Maybe you need a stronghold broken. Maybe you need anxiety or fear or depression lifted off of you. Just the, the simple goodness of God, he who didn't spare his own son but delivered him up for me. How silly it is to think that he wouldn't be willing to help me in this situation. How will he not also with him freely give us all things. That's what what the Bible says. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.